Good evening, and welcome to the Aging Hipster Star Wars Rewatch. Weeks ago, Toby and I pledged to rewatch and podcast about all eight movies of the Skywalker saga. We're going from episode one to episode eight, leading up to the rise of Skywalker on December 20th. And now we have finally made it to the end of the prequel trilogy. Tonight, we are discussing episode three, Revenge of the Sith. I am your host, Darth Bob Serrano. Joining me is someone that does not need an introduction. He once took revenge on a local Starbucks by leaving a one-star review on Yelp. It's Toby Crines. How are you feeling, Toby? Oh, I'm really glad I left that review. <laughs> it's how we get back at people now. It's like, <laughs> I will Yelp the hell out of you. <laughs> but it's so true, because I look it up, and then if somebody doesn't have like a really good Yelp, I don't even go there. So. <laughs> exactly. And joining us tonight is a special guest, Drake Lockhart. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Hello. Okay, so before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show, one of the themes we've been discussing on previous shows was that these movies were made for children, basically people of your generation, Drake. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the prequels when they first came out? I, I, uh, let's see, I was, uh, Phantom Menace was 2000, correct? When that one first came out? 99. 99. Yeah. So I was five when phantom menace came out so being that young you don't really have the eye of critiquing you know what i mean you don't really you don't know what a movie is or is not good it was either i liked that or i didn't like it and i always liked them all growing up um it was only like i said growing up with a more mature eye that you go back and critique them like you do a real movie and you definitely notice that they're a lot you know the some of the the joking still holds up rather about them and their quality i do want to mention that five years old might be too young to judge a movie but is not or is not too young to fall in love at george lucas's mind (laughs) oh and i think thanks to dad i had probably seen all the other three at least two or three times a piece at that point the original trilogy because i had grown up with them you know bobby as you know with dad he's as big of a fan as i am Mm-hmm. So he made sure that I had seen all three of the movies prior to that movie coming out. So basically you liked it and then you got a little bit older and you're like, wait a minute, this seems really kind of screwed up. Yeah. And Drake, <laughs> did you watch the animated Clone Wars at all? Or uh, I've seen, I saw the, the brief five, like two to five minute Clone Wars animated from 2004 to five that mm-hmm. came out on Cartoon Network right before Revenge of the Sith came out. And then I, yes, I have seen the um, newest ones, the computer generated ones. Mm-hmm. I've seen that whole series probably two or three times through. I actually quite like that one as well. Cool. You know, I've never gotten into that. Uh, Bob, have you watched that one? A little bit. I, I watched like the first season, you know, with shows these days, there's so many seasons that you get yeah. behind and it's almost right. like you just give up. But I do want to start watching them again. The thing they- that surprises me is how mature the that TV show is given on Cartoon mm-hmm. Network. I mean, you're mm-hmm. seeing people get stabbed through with a lightsaber. You're seeing people get shot by blasters left and right. And it's, you know, it all came out on Cartoon Network for kids aged, you know, 10 to 13. And just takes you back a little bit. It kind of 
it kind of sobers you to what these people are actually doing to each other with these weapons. You know what I mean? Well, before we uh, kick things off with the rest of this episode, let's take care of some business. Please subscribe, recommend to friends and strangers, rate and review the Aging Hipster Network. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and a bunch of other apps. If you are not on the app you regularly use, please let me know and I will get it worked out. Also, email us at aginghipsternetwork at gmail.com aginghipsternetwork at gmail.com so email us all of your star wars questions we'll read it on the air and give it our non-experty takes we actually got a couple emails which i'm very excited about i was so excited i was like come on the show and they're like no 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 we're just emailing them so i need to (laughs) i need to just calm down a little bit it's it's uh it's a we've advanced further than we you know just to get the emails is a positive (laughs) step all right without further ado Toby, please take us back to a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So, uh, war. That's how the scroll starts this time. Um, our heroes, Obi-Wan and Anakin, are dispatched to rescue Chan- Chancellor Palpatine. Um, they do save him, but not before... Uh, killing uh count dooku they anakin cuts off his head and then has a little buyer's remorse uh then for you know the ship's going down they they fight general grievous he jumps out the window into outer space they pilot the ship to safety on the planet below but not before killing unknown scores of innocent civilians on the planet (laughs) in the process but you know that's how war goes um uh, we learn in this movie that Palpatine is a Sith Lord and, and that he's become a father figure to Anakin. Anakin's sperm works. Of so course, he's the chosen one. We're all excited about Well, it's interesting because he wasn't conceived with sperm, so it was a big open-ended question. Oh. You know? uh, and it's one that George Lucas spent a great deal of time thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get all those, you gotta get all those Jesus allegories in while you can. <laughs> exactly. Obi Wan kills General Grievous in a really neat fight scene where Grievous is, has six lightsabers going at the same time, and it actually is a really cool scene. Palpatine killed Palpatine and Anakin go kill Bill on the Jedi. Anakin kills everyone and he can find, <laughs> especially the younglings, which is particularly saddening to Obi Wan. And Yoda, Yoba, Yoda does a great job fighting Palpatine. Uh, however, he gets uh, ends up having to retreat. Meanwhile, Obi Wan meets Anakin in a volcano planet, and he cuts Anakin in half, <laughs> and uh, Anakin burns almost to a crisp. He's a little bit, a little bit raw underneath. It's like when you—he's not extra way, crispy yet. He's just crispy. It's like, <laughs> exactly. It's the way I cook my burgers on the grill on accident. Like, <laughs> Like, like it's done. It's like mushy in the middle. Um, uh, Padme dies of a broken heart. Uh, Darth Vader does his con impression. Con. Oh. Uh, uh, Obi Wan wipes three C three PO's mind in the, one of the greatest uh, Lucas writings ever, where, where he says. Uh, so Bail Organa says, I'm placing these droids in your care. Treat them well, clean them up, have the protocol droids mind wiped. 
Oddly enough, R2-D2 is not touched. (laughs) (laughs) And and chooses not to tell everyone, like, hey, I remember your dad. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, Bail Organa is a... a, uh, We'll get into this later, but he's a a robo-racist, a robo-cyst, because he has something against protocol droids. He he thinks they're a lesser class of droid. Not only, I don't know if it's all protocol droids, but you got to give it to C-3PO. He might be one of the most annoying things on two legs in the entire universe. <laughs> That's true. But you know what I wonder is, does wiping his mind make him more annoying or less annoying? Exactly. Jury's out. Uh, Obi-Wan gives Princess Leia to the Antilles. So now there's baby Princess Leia. He gives her to the Antilles. He gives baby Luke Skywalker to the Lars family. And, and we see the Death Star being built. All right. So Drake... One of our favorite things to do is to read some some of the pivotal scenes from the movies. That is because it, we're afraid of being sued by Disney. And all. <laughs> Back by popular demand and popular for this show is like one or two people. It's and, Toby and some, Yoda. Someday when we have a budget, we'll recut this episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, the here. first scene is between Yoda and Anakin. It really fleshes out what was driving Anakin to the dark side. Premonitions, premonitions. These visions you have. They are of pain, suffering, death. Yourself you speak of, or someone you know. Someone. Close to you? Yes. Careful you must be when sensing the future, Anakin. The fear of loss is a path to the dark side. I won't let these visions come true, Master Yoda. That is a natural part of life. Rejoice for those around you who transform into the Force. Mourn them do not. Miss them do not. Attachment leads to jealousy. The shadow of greed, that is. What must I do, Master Yoda? Train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. And there we go. Now, do you think Yoda should have followed up on the close to you thing? Like, he could have been like, hey, are you banging a senator or something? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, Yoda, for all his powers, is not a very curious green thing. Right. He can sense every Jedi in the order dying slowly, but he can't tell. Hmm. I think it's the senator that he keeps spending yeah. all of his time with. Like hiding behind pillars with like right. maybe we should follow up there. It's like what it's like Bill Clinton in the Oval Office. Like everybody's like, no, Bill, don't oh, he's doing it again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this sets the table about kind of Anakin's motives to betray everyone and kill a bunch of kids. And so finally we're gonna go to the scene where Anakin makes his choice to to betray the Jedi. I guess, uh, let me see. Do you want to, do you want to be Mace or uh, Palpatine? Uh, uh, you much, you're, a, you're a better voice person. You could be uh, you can be Palpatine. I'll be okay. Mace. Okay, great. Okay, all right. <clears throat> and here we go. I'm going to put an end to this once and for all. You can't. He must stand trial. He has control of the Senate and all the courts. He is too dangerous to be left alive. But I'm too weak. Don't kill me! That's not the Jedi way. He must live. I need him! No! Power! Unlimited power! We don't have any budget for him. (laughs) And then, oh! 
Yeah, there's got to be some Star Wars soundboards that we can add these in with later. Uh, I think I think yeah. <laughs> we're known for this. Our two people are very, very particular about what they like, and this is what they like. <laughs> All right. So those are our scenes. Great job, you guys. Thank you. you Any too. comments Thank about you. that last scene? You know, it was so, I mean, so every time I see this scene, I've seen it maybe 20 times, like watching the movie. Uh, it's so disappointing. Um, it it reminds what the feeling I get is the same feeling I get watching the omen where I'm like, no, and maybe that's good direct movie directing, but I just like, don't want Palpatine to win. Like, mm-hmm. And I feel this like like in my gut and in my body, I'm just like saddened by the fact that he wins this. I agree, but at the same time, his crowning of Anakin as Darth Vader is one of my favorite scenes in the entire series. The way that his voice just drops and the effects they add into it when he says Vader is it will always be one of my favorites in the whole series. That's another scene where yeah, it's uh very sad for me like like i just feel sad when i want not like sad and like probably exactly how george lucas wanted me to feel you know right right he got you he got you yeah. george manipulated you <laughs> exactly well great job you guys let's get into some categories first some overall stats the budget was around $113 million. The opening weekend was around $108 million. Whew. The gross in, U- in the U.S. was $380 million. And the worldwide gross, $850 million, about a couple hundred million above uh, Attack of the Clones. It was the second biggest re- release of the year behind Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. And next, we got some trivia for you guys. All right. Are you guys ready? Oh, yeah. Okay. So here are some things that were almost made it into the movie, but were taken out at the last second. Number one, this is crazy. A 10-year-old Han Solo was going to appear during the Battle of Kashyyyk as an orphan being raised by Chewbacca. He would have helped locate General Grievous by finding a part of a transmitter droid that was sending signals from Utapu, allowing Obi-Wan to find and confront the villain. I would have liked it, but... I think a lot of the, and I think it would have worked for a casual audience, but I, I think being someone who went into a lot of the expanded universe stuff afterwards, when I met or uh, originally saw these, I think his backstory had already been covered at that point and he had been accounted for somewhere else, I think on you know, during the Clone Wars. So I think that would have made a lot of people mad, but I would have liked to see it because we had, you know, cameos from everyone else. Why not Han Solo? You know, like I would have dug it, except like it's pure Lucas to give him like this pivotal role. Like I would have been okay with like, hey, there's a a kid with a badge that said Solo on it standing next to (laughs) Chewbacca, you know, with a a toy ring on. Like what we got with... um, R2 and 3PO in Rogue One where it's just, you know, right. they get a line or two while the camera's panning up. That would right. have been fine by me. But yeah, I don't, like you said, his his need to have a pivotal role does not sit well with me. Well, and it makes me wonder about the, the Christmas episode. Oh, um, no. Like, where, where does that sit in the, the timeline? <laughs> 
like what did chewbacca get a young han solo for christmas like (laughs) like a chewed up like uh, salmon or something yeah Yeah, and I think though, and also another really kind of accepted part of Solo's backstory was that he was always like an ex-imperial pilot or mm-hmm. soldier or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it would have been this is a little bit tough to handle. It's almost a little right. bit too convenient, like a very small, small galaxy. Well, and a long, the, long time ago, the most surprising part about this is like that George Lucas cut something out of the script. Like there was <laughs> actually an edit. Like, wow, especially for like a kid, man, because he really <laughs> loves. He really overestimates what kids can do. I don't know. Right. I have a, I have some kids. I don't think like my kids like driving around in a pod racer or something. But. Right. I've met some ten year olds. I don't know if being pivotal in ending a war is very uh, up their alley. No. I'm, I. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Here's another one. He also wrote a scene in which Palpatine reveals to Anakin that he created him from midichlorians and thus was his father. A clear parallel to Vader's revelation to Luke in The Empire Strikes Back. But Lucas ejected this scene as well because he's like, oh, that's too Lucasy for myself, I think. Yeah, I mean, that that, that was 20,000 midi-chloride on, <laughs> on, on the scale right there. Right. He, well, they actually go uh, and explain that later um, that it was. Sidious's master, Darth Plagueis, he is attempting to um, create like the perfect being for himself to put his spirit into um, after he dies. And him and Sidious are pooling all their dark side energy together, and the Force fights back, essentially, and creates Anakin to counterbalance the supreme darkness of the two of them. It's another one of those crazy, crazy EU things. Yeah, but you know what's like, this is like one of the issues I have with George Lucas is like he tries to explain everything. Like my favorite book ever is Lord of the Rings and I've read it probably nine times. And like, it's, I love it because there's, he doesn't explain everything. Like he's just like, uh, you know, the wizards are here and like, there's like references. Oh, they've been here a long time. You don't know how long they've been there. You don't know like, what they've been through, you know, like you just, every now and then you see a glimpse of their power. Um, right. And they it. never do outright any match, anything that you could really consider magic. You know what I mean? It's just like, they kind of have like sleight of hand more than anything. There's never like them, you know, casting a firebolt spell or doing some crazy shield. It's always just them doing subtle stuff that, you know, they don't really have to explain. Right, and even when they do cool, like there's a couple scenes like where uh, can we get into Lord of the Rings? Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> but Gandalf, you know, he he. There's a scene where they're going down the stairs in the book, and he he casts a spell on the door to stop the um, the you know the bad guy, and he's like he falls down. He's like that almost killed me. I need to rest, and you don't really know why it almost killed him or like what happened up there, but it was like. I don't know. That's the sort of thing I love about Lord of the Rings. And I, you know, Star, it's the thing I hate about Star Wars because he does the opposite thing. He's, like you're saying, he's like, and then Plagueis and Sithy like got together and. Right. And there's the running joke with Star Wars in the old EUs that 
like every character you've ever seen on screen has a 46 paragraph backstory <laughs> written right. out for them, ready to go. If you ever want to spend three hours reading about it. Uh, you know, I was thinking that I would rather have like a whole flashback scene. Remember the movie, look who's talking. And like, <laughs> yeah. there was that whole beginning scene where there's that little sperm just like <laughs> swimming up there. Now, if that was how they explained how yes. Anakin was made, like with some midichlorians, like with, That's... with uh, Sidious's head, I would be all about that. I love it. Or the beginning of the minions movie. That's <laughs> like how they have the evolution of the minion. Uh, I could go for one of those for sure. Let's get into some reactions. We're going to go over some critic reactions. Our friend Joe Morgenstern from the Wall Street Journal. He actually liked this one. This is definitely the most well-received out of all of the prequels. Episode 3 mainly is what it is. A climax of a sometimes grand adventure that's more than the sum of its parts. Yet much less than it might have been. Which is, for Joe, the last couple of times, he's just kind of saying, like, George Lucas is a moron. So that's pretty And I agree. This is actually really insightful. Like, like I like that sentence. Mm-hmm. And I agree with it. Gary Maddox from the Sydney Morning Herald says, it's a, str- uh, it's a stronger movie than the two previous installments. But as Yoda would say, an out-and-out triumph, it is not. So those are the positive ones. Stephen Ray from the Philadelphia Inquirer was not a fan. Lucas still can't write. <laughs> dialogue <laughs> crashes and burns like an X-Wing zapped out of the sky by a Star Destroyer. And then the last uh, negative review, Peter Travers from Rolling Stone, drink the Kool-Aid Wear blinders, cover your ears, because that's the only way you can totally enjoy <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. Oh, that was harsh. Right. So if, if there's one thing that the prequels really kind of developed was the whole cottage, cottage industry of haters and trolls and critics. So we, we kind of talked about that before. Yeah, um, for Drake's benefit here, Drake, this was like what Bob and I were talking about before. 1999 was kind of like the internet was coming. We were still on Internet 1.0, and it was transitioning to 2.0, which is like chat or uh, oh, online God. forums and stuff. And like this, this might have been the first instance of like a global trolling, and it was all to George Lucas's detriment. This <laughs> <laughs> doesn't surprise me. Okay, so let's get into our own opinions, Toby. What did you think of the movie then? And has your opinion changed after rewatching this? I I don't think my opinions change. I think like where it's strong, it's really strong where it's, uh, it's weak. It's really weak. And I, 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 maybe it's, maybe it's gotten worse for me. Like, like I just wanted to, I like all of them. I just want to love them so much. And yeah, I just think it's, it's not the type of movie. If it wasn't star Wars, I wouldn't watch it twice, you know? But because of Star Wars, I've watched it 20 times. You know? <laughs> uh, how about you, Drake? Kind of the same. Um, when I Again, when I first saw it, you know, it's more stormtroopers shooting people, big spaceships, lightsaber battles. Um, but it, it does have it, its bad, but it has so much good. It, it's the closest 
in my opinion, of the prequels that captures the feeling of the original Star Wars. The opening scene is awesome. The ending duel on Mustafar, I think, is one of my favorite scenes in the whole series as well, with the music they have going in the background. Um, but when it's bad, it's still bad. You know, I got I got to probably agree. I haven't watched this, oh, rewatched this too many times, but it was, it, to me, it always seemed like it was a, kind of the forgotten Star Wars movie. It's sort of like everyone went to go see it and got it done with. And, <laughs> and they're like, okay, we've done it, George. Here's, here's your money. Thanks a lot. Right. But yeah, but yeah, I, I agree. Like some of those scenes were really great. Like, especially like the first battle scene, I guess. And the so one thing that, I did not include it in the trivia, but originally George Lucas wanted to have like a montage of seven battle scenes from seven planets. That would have been pretty oh, cool. God. So, but it was probably really expensive or something like that. It, yeah. I, I think it suffers from that feeling of you know how the story's going to end. That's true. You know he's going to, at some point, he's going to be Darth Vader. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, how's it going to happen? You're just kind of yeah, waiting. Good point. You're just kind of waiting, like, is this where it happens? Is this where it happens? That's true. And I felt like like maybe that's why, like, the part where uh, he becomes Darth Vader, like, it happens really quick. Like, it's like a flip of a switch. And I was always disappointed, kind of, like, that it happened that fast. Like, Right, that the whole reason he's Darth Vader is because Obi-Wan was higher up on a rock than he was, really? Well, that, no, what I'm talking about is when he's kneeling in front of Palpatine. Uh, oh, freaking, I got you. Um, but that that seems a whole another thing. <laughs> but I've got the higher ground. Oh, man. Like since when is that a thing? <laughs> right, especially when it comes to two Jedi who can do all these crazy things. Right. Uh, now I think Anna can probably should have put more trust into modern medicine in the galaxy <laughs> instead yeah. of like because I was if you think about it, they have like all these like robot doctors and stuff. Like I'm pretty sure that mortality during childbirth is very small and he probably should have just went to see a doctor instead of going to the dark side. But Hey, I mean, that's, that's Anakin for you. It's funny that he's amazed that his wife is dead after he force chokes her for a solid 15 seconds. Cause he yeah. thinks that she's betrayed him. Oh no, she's dead. Wow. I cut off her breathing for 15 seconds. What a surprise. Yeah. And, and I think like mental health is woefully neglected in this galaxy, similar to our own. <laughs> oh yeah, let's talk to somebody. And maybe it wasn't his medical plan or like, something like. That. Yeah, think about <laughs> evil, with that scene where we interact with Yoda, where like he's ba- but Yoda's basically his therapist, but Yoda doesn't ask any questions. He's just like uh, he tells him what to do, and no good therapist tells you what to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is the best he got for mental health. Let's get into some listener questions. We got a bunch of them. So the first one is from Mike S. His question is, is it worth watching again? What do you guys think? Uh, you know what it is. I'm going to watch it another 30 times before I die. So as much <laughs> it is and it isn't. I would say so. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it the, the opening and the ending are very good. <laughs> the middle has some great parts. Um, I mean, I think, uh, story of Darth Plagueis and that whole scene is fantastic. It it does one thing that no other Star Wars movie really does, and it starts to add 
lore, you know what I mean? It tells a story in this universe that we've never really heard from before. You know, if that makes sense, we've never really heard any essentially Star Wars fairy tales. And it seems like this is the first one and you're kind of like, oh, okay, cool. This is how, you know, this is the kind of things that they tell their kids at night. And it's an interesting bit of world building that you don't really get very often. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Great. I agree because otherwise we wouldn't be even doing this podcast. <laughs> right. And we wouldn't have two to three fans. So the answer is, of course, yes. All right. Question two from Michael T. Is Alec Guinness or Ewan McGregor your Obi-Wan? Is a good one. Good question. Oh, that is a very good one. For me, given the younger generation, I it's Ewan McGregor for me. Also, now given the fact that he's going to have this TV show that he's doing, I feel like that's going to cement it even more. I think for me, it's Alec Guinness. I, I think he's a better Obi Wan, um, even though he's much worse at lightsaber duels. <laughs> yeah, he's just yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe not as agile as Ewan McGregor, but <laughs> but he does hold his own against Darth Vader. So yeah, know, they're like. Slam they're like, <laughs> slam. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Both of them are get super old in old age. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I agree. Alec Guinness will always be Obi-Wan. I am kind of um looking forward to to that Disney Plus series. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of heartened by it. it's only six episodes of an hour. So they're not gonna I think it's gonna be a really tight series instead of just kind of drawing out. You know, whatever it is. Yeah. It's just him, like, romancing sand people or something, I hope. (laughs) hope No, obviously, it's him setting up for the reveal that he is Ray's grandfather. Really? Oh, yeah. Did you read stuff on Reddit? No, don't tell. Don't, don't. Uh, No, I don't read too much of the leaks. Wait, wait, Obi-Wan is Ray's grandfather. So that means he had sex with somebody. That brings up a whole nother theory from the Clone Wars show that they uh, that they have. That's a whole nother crazy 15-minute long explanation I won't get into. Next question from Jason B. Does the reveal of why Anakin went to the dark side ultimately make Darth Vader a less intimidating villain? Yeah, of course. Like, the reason for going to the dark side is the weakest reason you could... You know, it's like the love, like... I mean, I don't know. I just think, like... It's not a strong, like, cinematic reason. It, it's like a Disney reason. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, he's you go from one of the most intimidating villains in cinema of all time, finding out that he is like that because his wife died, and he doesn't even. It doesn't even seem like he wants the power, which to me is the weirdest part. You know, it seems like. To me, once Padme's dead, Anakin's whole reason for being is just kind of gone. So I feel like he would have just given up. Or at least that's what the character of Anakin that I see from the prequels kind of gives. That's the feeling he gives off, rather. Yeah, he becomes... I mean, he he's very two-dimensional, like, uh, especially after Padme. Yeah, like, his reason... So, like, if, if he... So he, part of the problem is he's a two dimensional, the character like, and so he becomes a Sith to save Padme, but he never gets on the path of saving her. And like, I feel like Palpatine in that speech about um, Darth Plagueis, like he creates like this three dimensional world. That's like really nuanced and like 
really interesting. And like, I agree, like that speech is really awesome. Like it's, and, but like Anakin just lives in this 2d world. I don't know. Like you're very, you're right. He's, he's very, he sees everything's in, he sees everything in shades of gray. It's every, it's black and white. Yeah. And I think, okay. So from what I understand about the Seth, so there's only two Sith and there's the master and the apprentice. And it seemed like just going from count Dooku, who was trying to get Obi-Wan to team up with him against Sidious. Like you always have the apprentice trying to kill the master, except for Darth Vader, who decides just to mope around and just do whatever the emperor says. So I think it's kind of this whole love angle. I would rather him just gain just power hungry and just like causing Padme's death or something like that. You know? Yeah. Right. You, you get the feeling that if Luke had never come around to, you know, Luke had never revealed himself that he would never have tried to supplant Palpatine at any point in the original trilogy. He would have just been like, okay, I'll just be a lapdog for the rest of my life until I'm useless. And he finds someone else to replace me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next question from Blake T. He says, my first exposure to Star Wars was the prequels, but was seeing Chewbacca, Yoda, Obi-Wan, etc. Cool to people who had seen four to six first. So this, I guess, is going to be for me and Toby. Oh, actually, for you too, Drake. You saw four to six, but you're you're young. Yeah. Not Toby. I thought, no, I don't think, for me, it was the opposite of cool. It was like a very forced thing. Like, let's get the, you know, like, we're going to make a movie and we're going to like somehow tie everybody together, especially Chewbacca. Like, right. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that's why it's like, we didn't need to see Chewbacca. He doesn't need to be bros with Yoda. You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, Obi-Wan and Yoda. Okay. You know, they're part of the, the plot, you know, but like, yeah. yeah, I feel the same way. You, you get the feeling that he, Obi-Wan at least would have been in it anyway, the way he talks about Anakin uh, mm-hmm. to Luke. The first time he says, Oh, he was a cunning warrior and the best starfighter pilot in the galaxy and the great friend. You, you feel like he would have been there at some point. Um, but yeah, the Chewbacca thing was super forced. I mean, it, you can tell that it's kind of left over from that Han Solo bit that he wanted to add in. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? Just like, okay, here's Han Solo. It's like, okay, here's Chewbacca. You're like, yeah, what does he do? I mean, that was one of the things I, I really had a problem with with the Phantom Menace was when C-3PO and R2-D2 were like, right. were there in Tatooine and all that kind of stuff. Like, really? Can't you just, like, it? it's okay that they just picked them up on this Right, uh, brilliant freighter in episode four. Yeah, exactly. And the silly part about all that with with those droids is like Obi Wan has no recollection of the droids. No. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't seem to own any droids. (laughs) Exactly. Like, what's the warranty on these droids? Like, they're (laughs) it's pretty damn good. They can't keep Padme alive. Except the droid that saved your life single handedly, like (laughs) probably half a dozen times in R two D two. Yeah, and he always like made fun of R two D two too. And like you right. remember those people, you know. Well, and yeah. like you know how like Luke can understand R two D two, like surely Obi Wan could, and like surely R two D two is like, hey Obi Wan, good to see you again. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, maybe Obi Wan's gone senile. Maybe he's been drinking. <laughs> or maybe he's just like hiding water. it. I right. Know. I don't know. <laughs> maybe he uh he in the new disney plus series he's going to have in the whole episode where he goes back and wipes r2d2's memory too so there's one of the plot <laughs> and points. then his own he's so depressed <laughs> by it that he wipes 
<laughs> okay, next one from Will S. Would the dialogue have been better if it was written by a child? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think some could argue that it was still regardless. Yeah. Okay, so obviously this guy uh, will also had another one says, "Does killing the Emperor in uh, Return of the Jedi redeem Darth Vader for killing the Padawans?" Uh, no, uh, no. Okay, next one was the damage done by the prequel trilogy worth the endless memes that spawned from Brent S. For my generation, yes. How about you, Toby? <laughs> By memes, we're talking like uh, hug, you know, hold me like you did on the beach of Naboo or whatever. <laughs> Is that what we're talking? <laughs> or about? the no one? I don't like beard. sand. Oh, it's rough yeah. and coarse and irritating, and it gets everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously, it's worth it. Yeah, it was worth the entire world spending over two billion dollars to make that happen. <laughs> you know, oh, that's great. Okay, this is from Derek, kind of a long one. Okay, what specifically did Yoda mean when he said, failed I have, after his fight with Palpatine? He failed to defeat him, sure, but he sort of decides to leave the battlefield, even though he just delivered was arguably the most powerful blast of the fight. Neither combatant looked to have lost at that moment. In fact, Palpatine seemed uh, seemed to have taken the worst of it. Why didn't Yoda continue the battle? I could go on the super nerdy explanation of that. Um, no, let's do a half nerdy. I I think it's said that he's Sidious is supposed to be the strongest dark side user ever. And as strong as Yoda is, he's not that strong. You know what I mean? So I feel like Yoda never won that fight, and he knew that he was never going to. So he just kind of retreated. And that's when he said he failed because he thought he was going to be able to kill Palpatine, but he didn't. It, it did seem like Yoda was more powerful at times in that fight. Yeah, he's kind of scurries off at the end. And I always wondered, like, you know, if if let's say it is a logical, you know, failure. Like, it, it, the the troops arrived shortly after he decides to leave, and they're like looking, you know, they're like he went into the vents. So it could be that he felt the army coming, you know, the the troops showing up and. You know, at that point, it's a lost cause. Should he have gone down swinging? I mean, he couldn't because he was in four to six. So, <laughs> I mean. It, it did seem like, I mean, that was another thing. It would have been nice if he had gotten a good cut at Palpatine or something. Like, cut off Palpatine's arm or something, you know. like Because he, he was kicking his ass for a while. Right. Right, yeah. And like, and the, what's lame about it is what really got Yoda wasn't the force. It was like Palpatine's throwing those chairs at him. And like Yoda's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> I've failed. <laughs> yeah. If it works in WWE, it's going to work and uh, work here. I would have liked the excuse that that fight is the reason that Palpatine's face is all evil yeah. and saggy. Not that he shocked Mace Windu for a bit too long. Oh, um, yeah. That would have been cool. And then if Palpatine had been saved by the troops... Like he's ready to be destroyed. Troops show up. Yoda's like, oh, I got to run. Right. We should have written this movie. (laughs) Uh, I think about that often for a lot of movies. Oh, and like half of Reddit. Half of Reddit's on (laughs) board too. Okay. Paul S. has a question as well. How can Padme and Anakin literally have zero chemistry? 
so here's why. Uh, so I, I read this book uh, called Turn Off the Light, I think is what it's called. It's about the Spider-Man musical, um, and, um, which was like the biggest failure in musical theater history, basically. Uh, but what the, the the guy who the guy who wrote the story the, who wrote the book was also the writer for the musical. And anyway, so he was in the scenes, and they had this uh, the main Spider-Man guy, the Peter Parker character, and then the main female lead. So they have to fall in love in the show, and and the director and everybody who's associated with it's like they have zero chemistry. We need to somehow get them drinking, get them having sex in real life. Um, and at some point, they've. <laughs> the two of them, the two main characters in the musical started having sex in real life. And everybody's like, wow, this is way better now. <laughs> like, like, so that was clearly the issue here. They did have some chemistry behind those pillars though. Those magical yeah. pillars. No, but here's the thing. If that's me and I'm 18 or whatever, I'm going to be grinding the shit out of, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking back to the horny old Toby, horny young Toby, <laughs> like, you know, this guy's got massive self-control. Yeah, no kidding. And like, yeah. And somehow he managed to keep it all together and no one knew. Like, he didn't even live with the rest of the Jedi. It's like, oh, where's your mailing address? Oh, Padme's place? (laughs) (laughs) We got another. We have a question from Grant. So his question is seeing as Padme dies immediately after the birth of Luke and Leia, how does Leia remember Padme like she claims to? and Return of the Jedi. I'm sure the common theory is that she remembers through the Force, but that sounds like cover for some lazy writing, if you ask me. Maybe she's referring to her adoptive uh, mother on Alderaan. All right, Drake, as our nerd, what do you think? The nerdy explanation is, yeah, the Force. The Force memories? I just, personally, it's just a bad retcon. You know, he they have to, he, she says that, and then Lucas forgets that line, and then has her die right in childbirth and doesn't have any explanation for that oh, line that's right. afterwards. That's kind of on George. He spawned this entire huge generation of super fans. They're, of course, going to pour over every line of dialogue. Right. With a fine tooth comb. Exactly. And it's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> so, in like, scene you know, 38 of A New Hope, yeah. you mentioned uh, specifically this. Uh, oh. oh, George. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But still, I don't know. Like, I, I blame this is a failure on George's part, I think. Like, you know, the guy explains everything, like we're talking about, and like, he can't, he forgets that, you know, like nobody in his orbit told him this issue, you know? All right. Next up, we have an email uh, from Katie Clausen, friend of the show. She'll be on to do Empire Strikes Back. But she wrote us to kind of talk about how she thought about the fan menace. She was about 10. When it came out. So some of the notes that she had were. I was incredibly confused by all the politics. Which is weird because the politics were dumb. But anyways. Because I didn't understand what was going on. I got hung up on understanding it. And couldn't follow the rest. It was entirely too, con- too confusing for me. Uh, number two. Jar Jar Binks was annoying as fuck. Oop, at AF. Even for a 10 year old. Number three. As an adult. I hate the pod racing scene. Uh, so that it takes an eternity, but as a kid, this was one the one part that really made sense. So I think that's a really interesting point where we're like Toby, Toby and I talked about it, and we're just like, oh my god, this like took forty five minutes. But obviously, the kids were like, this is great. Like Drake, oh, did you uh, really like that? Yeah, I was scene? gonna say I was one of those kids that really loved the pod racing scene. 
because you know for my opinion it was all oh there's too much talking there's too much talking what's going on oh cool now they're racing each other awesome this isn't Mm -hmm. talking and she said it's probably my favorite second favorite part of the movie after the intro and really the only appealing part of the movie to a kid and i remember thinking that padme might end up being a bad guy because she seemed like a child predator <laughs> we had been taught about the uh oh feeling at school, and that is definitely how I felt about everything related to Padme and Anakin. Oh, wow. She was not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not. I kind of had that was another thing that I thought about growing up. I'm like, so he's supposed to be ten, and Natalie Portman is supposed to be what, like, fourteen, and looks eighteen the entire time. Right, she was 18, yeah, supposed to be 14. Ugh. Drake, were you going around just being like, you look an, you look like an angel? Are <laughs> oh, you an God, angel? No. <laughs> no. I've I've never made any Japur snippets in my life. And then she kind of talks about driving home with her dad, and her dad is very dejected. It's <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> kept on saying, I don't know. And I saw the same movie you did. <laughs> and so... He kind of took it like everybody else, and he went. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Katie, for that. That was a great. Like, yeah, that's wonderful, Katie. Thank you. <laughs> and all, all, yeah. I mean, all of that is stuff that, that we've been talking about. Like, you know, and she's like summed it up in a way that's really, really, uh, really great here. Let's get to our own questions here. So, Drake, uh, we'll let you go kind of at the end, so you can think of some questions. So, during mm-hmm. this, what questions came into our mind, Toby? What you got? I was wondering, is there such a thing as robot racism? Because at one point, uh, there's two like evil robots holding up uh, R2-D2, and they say, you stupid little astro droid. Oh, like between the robots. Mm-hmm. Remember, like in, remember, it was it in Return of the Jedi in Jabba's place? There's that one that kept on that. Yeah. Remember, he was like the slave driver or something like that. The yeah, robot driver. Branding their feet. Yeah. Oh, so yes, I think there is, right? There definitely is. Yeah, there's like a whole like cast system of droids. So where would R2-D2 be? Because he can't even speak common tongue, right? right? He just beeps and stuff. But I feel like R2-D2 is a legend among droids. So he's like kind of got, he's in his own hierarchy. You know what I mean? Oh, that's, oh, that's the one that keeps saving the universe over and over and over and over again. That's the one with the jet pack. Right. The jets on the in his legs. Yep. Yeah. Any other questions, Toby? I had one more about um this was more like I was curious. So Anakin's dreams don't reflect what happened in the movie. So he's having these dreams and then later when uh, Padme dies, it's not the same. Like the dialogue's different. Hmm. Um I was wondering if if force dreams if that was like intentional by George Lucas and just force dreams aren't hundred percent accurate, or if it was just oversight, you know. I don't think they're 100% accurate. I want to say I would I would like to believe that, right? Now, here's another thing that I have to throw out there. Did uh, Sidious create these four streams, or did he manipulate them to make Anakin crazy? I think, I think it's fair to say that he probably manipulated them at some point. Because I think he brings it up to Anakin that Anakin's having these dreams, you know, and he can immediately tell what they're about. You know, and he knows, and he knows, and he knows. I don't know. It's it's strange. It's an interesting question. I never considered that. Like, uh, yeah, was was uh, Darth Sidious manipulating the dreams? 
I don't, I'm not, I never considered that that to be the case. I always just felt like, uh, you know, Anakin has this, has dreams about people he's deeply connected with when they're about to die. (laughs) Well, I find it kind of funny how he never can have that dream for like 30 seconds longer so he can figure out (laughs) why she actually dies. That's Oh yeah. That's That's a great point. Um, and you know, later in episode eight, I think that, uh, that's when the, you know, the Sith Lord is connecting, uh, Ray with what's his name, you know, Ben, no, Kylo Ren, you know, it's not exactly a dream, but you know, somehow he's connecting two minds and it it could be a a Sith power, you know, it it could be something Siths do to non-Siths, you know? All right. So I have a couple questions. This one is from my wife, Jackie. Hello, if you listen to this. Okay, so so she came in at the end of my rewatch, and she got really kind of up in arms about the scene where Padme dies. So how does Padme just give up living when having their children? Yeah, so and so she really had a problem with that because I I get it, I get it. Like your really moody eighteen year old lover just like slaughtered all these people, but she got twins. Like it just seems too much you know like it doesn't it doesn't seem believable as a parent it doesn't seem believable right if 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 it was possible think how many parents would just be dying off like like if it was (laughs) (laughs) like i just want to die before raising this kid (laughs) like mid raising oh this has been a rough night i'm just gonna go die Exactly. She talks about, oh, I can't wait. We're going to raise the kids in Naboo just like we wanted. Ah, mm-hmm. Never mind. I'm done. I'm good. Oh, oh, how about this? How about this? So she died because she knew Darth Vader would track her and would find the kids. But, it <laughs> did. So, but I'm just making that up. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting if, if we have the power to die on it. I will. You know, like, like there's a 108-year-old man in Australia who who's trying to like die like he's like today he's like literally trying to die and like he can't get the assisted suicide for some reason you know like this is a difficult thing to do (laughs) what she accomplishes here i get the feeling that it's definitely a bit of well (laughs) anakin's not here he's killing younglings you know he's gone full dark side if he's not here what point do i have to live yeah, but she's yeah. supposed to be this like really, really tough person with a lot of strength, and she couldn't get past this. I think I don't know. I mean, it, it does, is what it, it is. It does make her seem like a really weak figure, like like right, like yeah, like a fair was, damsel. It, yeah, exactly. If she was a strong uh, figure in the movie, yeah, you know, just someone with a lot of inner strength, like she would have sucked it up, had the children, you know, moved to the outer rim, and you know, I would rather just say yeah, like Anakin actually killed her. When he was like force choking her, and they had to like they rescued her and had to do like a like emergency C section, you yeah. know, at the end. But right. I mean, that that's going to be in our version of uh, Revenge of the Sith. And the yeah, and she, the crazy thing is, she had the strength and wherewithal to name them before dying. <laughs> <laughs> right, but then she goes, uh, you know, that's it. Like you said, I'm, you know, I'm good. I, I've changed my mind. Oh, that's a, another point, Toby. Did they discuss the names before? Ooh. Right, like, yeah, like uh, is Vader like Leia? I had a daughter named Leia, though I don't know, you know. Well, and similar, well, not similarly, but like uh, you know, with the, when you think of um, Darth Maul and how great he is at tracking down 
people and how and and obi-wan you know siths and jedi are great trackers mm-hmm. um and here is luke skywalker you know taking his father's name sitting on this planet you know that they've all been yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you'd think like, like, yeah, he's been to yeah <laughs> his home planet no less well right. i think I think the idea is, you know, what the last place he would look is the place he grew up as a slave and then lost yeah, his guess, mother at on the same planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a reasonable. That's too reasonable for us, Drake. You're not going to be accepted <laughs> back here again. True. But no, that makes sense. Like, he's not... Yeah, Vader's not going back to Tatooine for his class reunion. For, <laughs> you know, to meet with that one little Greedo guy, you know, and <laughs> his friends at the... <laughs> I guess so that's like, true. You got a good another point. pod race. I think I think he would have gone. I think Vader does more pod racing. <laughs> uh, Do you think maybe he can pod race himself? He just uses the force to like move <laughs> another one. So he's <laughs> he keeps killing off all the other guys because he's exactly. winning. Yeah, so, I yeah. win again. <laughs> what a surprise! <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's another one I have. How do Jedi get so good at falling? It's something that I've been wondering since the last movie. In the movie, both Obi-Wan and Anakin fall through all the air tra- uh, air car traffic. And here, Obi-Wan falls down. And so, um, oh, and then also Toby added, how do they get so bad at falling at, um, in later movies? So they, they're very good at falling. <laughs> they so. amazing. Yeah, and it's like when you talk about the, the car scene where he jumps out and yep. falls I don't know, a thousand feet down. Like it's, there's not even a question. He's like, Oh, Obi-Wan will catch me a thousand feet down. You know, <laughs> not only will, will he catch me, he'll catch my lightsaber that's flying through the air. Well, it's, it's one of those mysterious things. It's the force. It's all the midichlorians. Uh, yeah, right. but, uh, Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking, let, let's play this logically. Drake, what do you think? Like, like what is the fan, you know, the fanboy explanation for this for i'm sorry i kind of blanked there for a second the falling like how how does the force help jedi fall thousands of feet so graciously you know and and catch each other i think the idea is that they're similar to how their force you know you're using the force to manipulate a lightsaber around when they throw a lightsaber i think they're doing it on themselves so they're essentially just kind of making themselves float or I guess making gravity affect them differently so they can then kind of control their descent, I suppose. But mm-hmm. I'm not sure. That makes sense. No, it's, it's, it's kind of the whole Jedi thing, right? They're very book smart, but common sense, dumb. Like they're, <laughs> they're, they're great at falling, but they can't figure out that Anakin keeps on going uh, off the, <laughs> with, <laughs> with Padme. They can't figure that out at all. You know? No. Yeah. Okay. None Drake, of them you... can figure out that the most powerful Dark Lord of all time is the dude that they all keep talking with right. 13 times a day. Yeah. Yeah. Drake, do you have any questions that have come to mind? Um, one that I've always thought of is uh, the lack of serious technological change in Star Wars. You know, we see like a, f- uh, and I guess this brings up the prequels a little bit as well, is, or the, not the prequels, the uh, sequel trilogy, is that. And really the only, you know, in the 60 years of time that we see, we get like one or two big technological advancements. Granted that, you know, that might be because of how 
crazy advanced everything already is. Mm-hmm. They might not just they might have just run out of stuff to think up, but it's just something I thought about in hindsight. Is yeah, you know, how it seems like was, nothing really seems to change. That's a great question. You know what I was wondering was all this technology they haven't figured out beaming, right, <laughs> or a teleporter. They haven't watched Star Trek yet. He was like, you guys need to watch Star Trek. Yeah. No, uh, no, I can kind of, okay, so I, I can accept this for a couple of reasons. It kind of seems to me that this Republic was kind of the apex of the history of this galaxy, like, say, like, Rome. Right. And then Rome fell apart, and as a consequence, kind of uh, all of society just really kind of made a downfall. And I think George Lucas really specifically wanted like the episodes four to six really the feel like kind of run down and all that kind of stuff. Civilization is sliding, you know, and the empire right. is really powerful, but it's not like this is a, a system of government and culture that can really kind of a lot of great discoveries going on. They basically have what they had before. They have a they, bunch of clone troopers and they're going to slaughter you if you don't do what they They definitely say. talk about that because um, in the old, uh, in the old expanded stuff, they say that the empire is extremely xenophobic to all aliens, and they, you know, they don't welcome aliens into the stormtroopers until, you know, they're running out of humans almost, and they're like, "Well, we have to, or else the rebellion's just going to crush us in ten seconds." Right. So yeah, that definitely adds to, like you said, an idea of a dark age coming around if the rebellion hadn't come and you know set things right. Sort of right, because then 7-8 happened, which I I don't even know what's going on there. But go ahead, Toby. But I was thinking like in episode 7 or whatever one it is where they build that Death Star version 2.0. And it's like way more powerful than the Death Star. You know, it can like suck up a sun and then... Right, and can somehow accurately shoot a laser beam across like nine galaxies. And then they split off and hit three tiny planets. So they're making strides. That's an important thing. Right. All right, Drake, do you have anything else? Uh, one's just, this is my last question. It's just kind of a silly one. Yeah. Of all the crazy armor that General Grievous had, they never thought to individually encase all of his organs <laughs> in some super durable thing. Oh, he's going up against Jedi. They have lightsabers that can cut through anything. Well, let's just keep his organs in this vaguely sack like thing inside some metal plates i just thought it was kind of dumb yeah and how that organ gets blasted by a blaster which his yeah simple shield would have protected that right they got the little droidicas with the personal shield that expands like 10 feet out you can't have that only cover like a four foot area yeah that's a great point (laughs) he should have a shield generator all right you guys well with that we're at the end of the prequels. Toby, are you excited to be out of the first three episodes? Right, it's been, it's episodes? been fun, and you know the, the next three, of course, are the beloved ones, so those will be uh, good fun, too. And I think we're shooting for the next one, New Hope, next Sunday, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to be talking to Drake's brother, Cody, for that. Nice, I, nice. I, hope he's, I hope he's ready. You, I will make sure he is. Ready. All right, Drake, thank you so much for being on No problem. Thank today. you for having me. Hope you had fun. I had a lot of fun having you on. That's it for us. The Aging Hipster Star Wars Rewatch is produced by Bob Serrano and Toby Crines. You can follow me on Twitter at Bob Serrano5. 
You can email me at adrianhipsternetwork at gmail.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean. I also set up a Facebook group for the Aging Hipster Network, so you can join that. I need to actually put up posts, but I'm going to start doing it. I'm going to do it. I'm a social media titan, so please rate and leave kind reviews. Thank you so much for listening. May the force be with you.